Our scripture reading today is found in Luke 14, 25 to 33. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If he cannot, then while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. This is the word of the Lord. Well, there are times when reading our Bibles, we come across a passage such as this one today in our lesson, leaves us scratching our heads, wondering what it was that Jesus just meant. Did he really say that we need to hate our family as a condition to becoming a disciple? That would be kind of unusual, hard to believe, in fact. I'll tell you a bit more right after we pray. Holy Spirit, surround us in this time of worship. Free our minds and soften our hearts. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our, all our hearts combined be pleasing to you, O Lord. You are our rock and redeemer. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, about 20 years ago, I had a fantastic opportunity to become part of a growing organization. I'm not talking about the church. To get in at the beginning of something big and start my own business, which would lead to security, wealth, and future sources of income that would last well beyond my years. That's what they said. The company called it multi-level marketing. You guessed it, it was a pyramid scheme. Well, now we have to be fair, these services that they were offering did exist. All consumers were connected with a firm. The service for which they were claimed to be selling was prepaid legal services. And so everybody that signed up would be connected to a law firm. And and if the need for an attorney ever arose, you'd be able to call an 800 number and speak with a qualified legal representative. That's what was in the literature. But it wasn't really the point. Now, the point of the whole thing, this big opportunity they were selling was for Every investor, that's what they called us, investors, was to sign up other people just like us who would get the same offering 
They would sell these legal services and everyone that you had signed up to do the same thing, would then you would get a commission for their sales. And the more people you signed up, the more commission you would make. Sounds great, doesn't it? Well, it's not quite that simple. They wanted you to think that it was very simple, but it wasn't. They claimed that they would provide all the training, the forms, the promotional literature. They even had billboards. All you had to do was sign up other people, right? Very easy. They never really trained you to actually sell the product. And so how could anyone possibly turn you down because this was such a fantastic opportunity? Well, you know what, when, when we're presented with something that is so fantastically successful or it claims to be, anything that requires hardly any work and anything that claims to offer unbelievable riches, well, we need to be cautious. Real success requires us to give some sacrifices. It requires us to offer a lot of hard work, dedication, and a sound belief in whatever it is you do. You cannot be true to your cause without any of these qualities. So pyramid schemes are not sustainable. Maybe they might produce some wealth early on, but as they grow, they become more susceptible to failure and eventually total collapse. And so it is. With any attempt that we may not fully be committed to, to be successful, you need to be committed and committed fully. Being fully committed requires you to understand exactly what will be expected of you. So many of the opportunities we are given in life <clears throat> have been made to seem easy. Buy a car with nothing down. Right? Get an instant approval on a mortgage. Lose some weight without exercising. But the reality is that all of these things do have a cost. It's just that the cost has been hidden to make it seem easy and therefore you are more likely to buy into it. That's what Jesus was trying to get across to the people in the crowd that day. But Jesus' words here in Luke 14 seem a bit harsh. Hate? Does he really mean we are to hate our mother, our father? There's just too much hate in this world already. How can we followers of Jesus add to it? So this lesson is a good example of how reading the Bible requires us to do some work 
to acquire some biblical knowledge. Our translation of Luke 14 uses the word hate. But in the language that that Jesus would have used, that word hate would have been used more in the context of, of to love something less. Now, we're not trying to just soften Jesus' words or make them more acceptable to us. There really is good evidence that what Jesus was saying was more along the lines of being able to disregard or be disinclined or to not favor their family, their life, their relationships over the ministry and work of being one of Jesus' disciples. Jesus doesn't want anyone to think that it would be easy to follow him because it's not. It requires work, probably some of the most difficult work that these early disciples would ever experience in their lives. He didn't want them to think that they could be a disciple without a commitment To be able to walk with him and appear to be faithful and devout without suffering some rejection. Without experiencing doubt and fear, ridicule, and rejection. No, Jesus wanted to be right up front with the cost of discipleship. Reading this scripture in this way allows us to breathe a little easier, knowing that Jesus isn't telling us that that we have to walk away from our loved ones to, to break all ties with those who mean the most to us, all for his sake. What he's really saying here is that we have to be able to take serious consideration of the people and the things that have the most influence and control over shaping our lives. Sort of in a a roundabout way, Jesus is really talking about idols here, the things that we love and the things that we actually serve on occasion, the things that we allow to weigh heavily in our decision-making, all under the guise of of the needs of our circumstance. Now, we need to be very careful here. I do not mean that I think Jesus is condoning abandoning one's family responsibilities for the sake of ministry. Nor am I saying that Jesus is teaching that we serve our family first and then our churches and our ministries. That would be too simple of a shortcut from what Jesus is really getting at with his description of the cost of discipleship. He goes on to tell the stories of the king that that sends his army into battle and those that, that wish to build a tower or any structure. In both of those stories, 
He shares a picture of what he wants people to do. He wants them to sit down and, they, and to stop where they are, to think about what's happening, to, to be honest and reflect and pray. Anything's possible with God. And so Jesus wants them to look at each situation with that in mind. And so for anyone, any of us today even, to not do this could be disastrous for ourselves and for everyone. The thing that Jesus wants us to know is that this all comes at some personal cost. Just like the king's decision to either put his soldiers in harm's way or, or not, our egos have a way of causing great harm on those that we love the most. And so Jesus isn't telling us to be uncaring or careless towards those closest to us. He's just trying to make us understand that without some reflection about the direction and purpose of our lives, well then unintended consequences tend to happen. In one sense, no one can really know whether he or she will be able to fulfill a commitment to discipleship. Not until they try. And so Jesus was not asking for a guarantee in advance. If he had, no one would have qualified to be a disciple. No one would have stepped forward. And that's the thing to remember today. As a result of our modern culture now, we've developed this accommodation of the Christian faith. It's become acceptable to call yourself a Christian without recognizing any difference between Jesus' teachings and our own middle-class aspirations. We've made it easy to be Christian with little or no cost. It's easy to attach yourself to any faith community. There's few requirements other than showing up. We structure our faith to accommodate the rest of our lives when it really should be the other way around. If we are to call ourselves Jesus' disciples in the truest sense, then we need to know that it won't be easy. The reality is that a, a complete change of our priorities, of, of our values and our pursuits will be expected of us. Paul wrote that in Christ, we become not just nice people, but new creations. When Jesus turned and saw the crowd following him, he wasn't impressed by his own success. And he wasn't interested in the casual, easy acceptance the crowd offered. The cost of discipleship is paid in many different currencies. For some, it might include a new direction of their time and their energy. 
For others, maybe a change in personal relationships will be needed. Or a change in in work habits or even jobs. Or maybe for some, a commitment to more substantial financial gifts. But however discipleship envelops you, for every person, the call to discipleship is all-consuming. It affects every aspect of your life. And so all would-be disciples must be fully committed to living the life that Jesus represents. No part-time disciples are needed and no partial commitments are accepted. Let us pray. Father God, prepare us for a life lived not just in Jesus' name, but in the embodiment of Jesus. A life dedicated to love, to serving the least and the lost. Help us to free ourselves from the idols of our lives that we may live more fully the life you intend. In Jesus' name, amen.